The All In Podcast Show, episode number 10, with your host, Daniel Giordano. The All In Podcast Show is home to the top entrepreneurs, innovators, and world changers sharing their breakthrough moments and how they are changing the world. We will bring mentors into your world who can help you find balance and build a bold life of excellence. With your host, Daniel Giordano. Get off the sidelines. Get all in. And join us at www.allinpodcast.com. Okay, I want to welcome everybody to the All In Podcast Show. Uh, today we have a special guest um, who is a, a strong man of faith and, and just an amazing man. With, he's going to share some great wisdom today, um, just about some life experiences and, and really how to be all in in, in uh, your faith, all in in your business, um, in your life. And, uh, you know, great guy that, that uh, I've had the uh, pleasure of, of uh, getting to know a bit. Um, and really, I'm looking forward to sharing his message with you today. So, um, Harvey, uh, you know, I want to welcome you to the podcast here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to just uh, share a little bit about yourself and your story of where you come from, you know, you're, you know as far back as you want to go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, let's just jump right into it. Well, being an older guy, I go pretty far back. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, my, my business and uh, uh, my whole being has, has uh, been surrounded by God. Uh, I actually came to Florida in 1975 from Washington, D.C. to change my life. I was a construction guy, and I didn't like the direction uh, that my life was going. I knew I was going to either end up dead or, uh, you know, or not a, not a good uh, ending for me. And um, uh, my wife and I moved down here in 75. We didn't know anybody. We moved to uh, Fort Lauderdale. And, and for me, um, that's, that's when I found Jesus. I'm a Jewish guy. What do I know about Jesus? You know, and, uh, or even care about that at that time. You know, I just knew that I needed to change my life. And, uh, and I, I, I had my first supernatural experience, uh, in 1975 by watching Robert Schuler, Power of Power. And of course, uh, he was easy to watch and I never heard anybody speak like he did before. Um, you know, positive thinking and things like that. And I was looking to get into a sales position, uh, because I had read that you don't have to have a college degree to be a salesman and salesmen earn as much money as doctors. And I said, okay, uh, that I, I want to be successful and use my mind. I don't want to work with my hands anymore. And um, watching Robert Schuler, I could turn him off when he would say, everything's possible through Jesus Christ. And he would say that at the end. I'd turn him off before he would say that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and one day, just real quick, one day um, I, I looked through the papers. I couldn't find a sales trainee job because I knew I didn't know how to sell. Uh, and... Uh, I looked through the paper that Sunday, couldn't find anything. I'm watching him again. I'm about ready to have to pack up and go back to D.C. because I'm running out of money. And I didn't turn him off fast enough. And he said, everything's possible (laughs) through Jesus Christ. And I got angry, turned him off. And I looked up at my little apartment uh, ceiling in Lauder Hill. And I said, God, I know about you, but I don't know this Jesus. Uh, if he's real, then he'll get me a job and I'll follow him for the rest of my life. 
Well, I, I, that Monday I looked in the paper again just to see if I missed anything, and lo and behold, I did. There was a sales trainee job at Massey Yardley Chrysler Plymouth on Federal Highway, and I said, how did I miss that? Uh, anyway, long story short, I got the job, and I said, wow, I made a commitment. Somebody actually hired me to train me to be a salesman. And I, I got the job, and I started going to Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, Dr. James Kennedy. Hmm. And uh, and I checked a little box that said I want to become a Christian because I I keep my word. He his staff called me and uh, said we'd like Dr. Kennedy would like to come and visit you on Wednesday. And I said Dr. Kennedy's going to come to my little apartment, <laughs> and they said yes, he he is. And he came out and he talked to me about becoming a Christian. I said, I'm ready. I believe he's real. Uh, we talked about Jesus and he led me in prayer. And then he said, you know, there's something else you have to do. And I said, really? I, I thought that was it. And he says, no. He says, look at Matthew 28:18. You have to go and make disciples and teach them to obey. And I said, I don't know how to make a disciple. <laughs> and he said, we do that at our church. And uh, he said, come down on Thursdays uh, and we'll teach you how to make disciples. And uh, he said, that's it. So I did that and I've been making disciples ever since. And it's a beautiful, been a beautiful process. And God has just totally blessed my life. Uh, became a salesman. And, uh, and I really believe that you need to know how to sell and close. Uh, in order to do anything in business. Uh, if you're a doctor, you better be good to your patients. Uh, you better be able to uh, win them over to come back to you again. The same thing with an accountant. Uh, you have to do those kind of things and, uh, and use salesmanship abilities. If you're nasty and rotten, people aren't going to come back to you. If you don't add value to people, they won't come back to you. So I think in everything we do, uh, you know, there's six billion people. We have to have six billion salesmen uh, hmm. to, to understand the process of getting along with other people by adding value to them, by getting them what they want in the time they want it and helping them. And, and you can be successful in any career that you start uh, or get into. And that that's that's how it all got started for me, and that's what I learned. Uh, I, I, I've been uh, mentored by, gosh, uh, my first uh, mentor was uh, Zig Ziglar back in the day, and I had a conversation with him because I didn't, I was a pretty, you might say, tough guy because I was a construction worker, uh, you know, and working with uh, electric lines, things like that. So I always considered myself, you know, pretty, pretty tough to be able to. Uh, go up on the on the overhead lines and work with 2,300 volts. Not everybody wants to do that. And uh, and yet I realized by getting out there with people that uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a people person. I was an introvert. And and I said this isn't working. And uh, I went to one of his uh, classes and I asked him. Uh, I told my story and I said I don't know what to do. And uh, and he took a second. And he said this, fake it till you make it. <laughs> and he went over to talk to somebody else. And I said, wait, wait. I said, what does that mean? I have no idea what you're saying. And uh, 
And he said, look, uh, you're, it's obvious you're an introvert. You're way over here on the left side. And an extrovert is way over here on the right side. So he said, every morning when you get up and you're shaving, put an acting cap on and pretend that you're somebody else. You're not who you are. You're somebody else. Pretend that. And, uh, and he says, be as outgoing and gregarious as you can be. And I'll guarantee you, you'll just be a normal guy because that's how introverted you are. <laughs> and, uh, and I did. I mean, I, I really learned to listen and try what the coaches and the mentors were suggesting. I realized that a lot of people listen and they don't try because I would go to a lot of sales training with people who just get out of their job just to go through a sales training. They wouldn't try any of the suggestions these mentors were giving. And I said, that's not for me. I'm going to try at least three things uh, that I think I can do from, from a suggestion of a mentor. And my, you know, my sales career uh, just soared. It really did. So it's been a, it's been a, a great career uh, bringing my children, uh, Rob and David, into my business. Um, Rob was the youngest real estate broker in Fort Lauderdale at the Board of Realtors at the time um, because he, he saw the kind of life I had. And I haven't worked a day since 1975. I really yeah. haven't. It's like I love what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm here talking to you. People, yeah. people are working. <laughs> this yeah. is fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so I want to I want to back up to something because you said something there that, that I think is important, um, especially um, you know, I, I, and I just want to hear this, like from before, you know, you said you were, um, you know, obviously Jewish. Yeah. So, did you have a Jewish faith? Were you brought up in that? You know, or were you not brought up in you know in that faith? Uh, yes, uh, you know, yes and no. And what I mean by that is when I was young, my grandmother lived with me, with us, and she was Orthodox. So we had the two plates, the two dishes, the two sets of silverware. We observed all the holidays. And, uh, and uh, I didn't think about it because I was young. Uh, when my grandmother died, my mom never really liked that. Uh, because it was cumbersome and, and, uh, so she, um, got rid of all the, you know, uh, uh, hardware, so to speak, the dishes, the glasses and things like that. And she stopped being orthodox and we stopped going to synagogue. And, and, uh, so my life from then on was more like, uh, I know who I am. I know that God loves me. I know about God. From my grandmother, I watch her. I would watch her pray uh, every Friday, you know, uh, on the Sabbath. And uh, and Rob, actually, my younger son, I mean, my older son, had more of a, I think, kind of a Jewish upbringing than maybe even me because he he went to a Hebrew academy uh, for a while to learn about that. Uh, so uh, I, I, you know, being Jewish and and being raised Jewish, not as much. I would say as the average Jewish guy that's raised in a Jewish community, even, uh, because we didn't live in a Jewish community, you know, and, and the Jews always like to stick together. Um, and, and I enjoy that even now. I like to live in a, in a uh, Jewish neighborhood. It always seems like, Hey, there's a doctor on my right side. There's a lawyer across the street. You know, they're, they're, they're all, uh, uh, professionals and I, and I feel great being around them. Uh, but 
but no, I, I don't, uh, I, I wasn't practicing, uh, my faith. I just, okay. I just knew about God. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I was just wondering about yeah. that. So, you know, figured, uh, you know, cause it's always interesting to me to, to see how people were brought up and, well, and how it affected their lives. You know what? When I became a Christian, I feel like I'm more Jewish now than ever. Right. I know about Jesus. I know about the Jews. I know about the Old Testament. I know how it, it transitions into the New Testament. Uh, and, and when I started reading, uh, you know, uh, John, um, the book of John, I, I was amazed uh, the first time because I said, wow, this, this guy is not only an awesome guy to follow, um, but he's a pretty tough guy. You can't be my disciple unless you, you can't follow me unless you, and it's like, wow, I mean, he's just laying it out. And I, I, mm-hmm. I like that. I like to be told right. this is what you need to do because that's what I was learning, you know, and, and I don't want to waste my time. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want him to tell me what do I need to do to re- to be a disciple, and he just lays it out. I love that about him. Right, you know that's awesome. So that was, yeah, great. So I learned a lot about you know my background, my heritage. Sure. Yeah. All right. So so um, um, obviously this is hard for most people to figure this one out. But who is the the, the person that most influenced you in your life? Uh, well, you know, uh, I've been trained and coached. Uh, my entire 40 year career uh, talking about business. And uh, so there's been a lot of influences in my life and I'm still being coached and mentored and trained. Uh, I went through the John Maxwell training class and I'm, you know, I'm 71. What am I doing there? Well, I, I believe in it. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's powerful uh, to, to continue learning and continue stretching. The only alternative for me is to get in a box and wait. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, you know. So, so you have to continue to be trained, coached, mentored. Um, but you know, I I would say that it really started with uh, with Zig Ziglar. Um, you know, be, being told to fake it until I make it, uh, and then and then on on from there with uh, Brian Tracy. Uh, back in the day, uh, I loved that. I mean, it picked up right from Brian Tracy, uh, even with um, uh, Mike Ferry organization, which is a real estate uh, guru. Uh, and his son, Tom Ferry, would have, you know, a thousand real estate salesmen stand up and point to themselves. I'm a great salesman. I'm a great salesman. Like that, chan- chanting that, chanting that. Uh, and uh, And you know what? Uh, that would last for maybe a day unless you continue to do that and believe that and get it into your gut that I am a great salesman. Uh, I can do wonderful things for people and get them what they really want to get, but they're scared to step out on their own. So, right. so being mentored and coached by, you know, Anthony Robbins organization and, uh, all the way through to, to now, uh, with the, um, uh, not only Mike Ferry, but I, I haven't uh, seen him uh, for years. But continuing to be coached, uh, I believe, is important. You know, sure. I'm, I'm mentored by uh, by someone at staff at Christ Fellowship, which is great. That's uh, you know, that's uh, Ricky Priscilla, Pastor Ricky, awesome guy. You know, that's awesome because I want to learn more and grow more in my faith. 
And that's, I mean, that's awesome at your age too, uh, to see you stepping out, trusting and, and, uh, you know, still being moldable and coachable and, and, uh, wanting to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and, and, uh, you don't look 71, by the oh, way. Yeah, God has blessed <laughs> you look me. a lot younger. <laughs> God has blessed me and I, I, you know, in that way as well. And it's been great, but I really do understand and believe that it's the young people, you know, and, and, uh, uh turning, of their minds to believing in themselves, to believing that they can accomplish uh, is something that I really enjoy. And I love seeing, you know, the uh, uh, the young college guy. I was talking to a young guy last night uh, who's gotten caught up in addiction and uh, uh, codependency and things like that. And he's a young, good-looking, six-foot-four strapping guy. And I'm saying, wow, what a shame, you know uh, yeah, I'll, I'll mentor you. I'll be there for mm-hmm. you. You know, here's where I am. You want to know what I've got to give, then you come and find me. I'm at church on Saturday, both services. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. Great. You do be there. So, you know, uh, helping the young people understand that you can have a great career and a great life by doing what you love doing without working what do you love what's fun for you that's the career you need to go into uh if doing podcasts is fun for you then do that mm-hmm. and have fun you know right and, and you'll never work again so for me absolutely it's, for me it's been sales and it's been adding value to people helping people yeah that's awesome so so how, how would you define success what's your definition of that uh well um you know my whole life has been wrapped around business and um, and for me, I've always gauged my success in business by the amount of money I'm earning. Um, if my business is not earning money and, and I'm not, you know, uh, some people say, well, you can't look at money uh, because money is a bad influence. No, it's not. You know, money is, is a piece of paper. It's what you can do with money. That's important. And uh, and I've always looked at at the income that I'm earning. Uh, versus the amount of time I'm putting into whatever I'm doing to kind of gauge myself. If I'm earning money in my business, that means I'm adding value to people. I'm helping people get what they really want to get. Um, and, uh, and I'm doing a good job. So I look at, I look at income that way. Um, I've, I've mentored people in business. Here's the last one that I mentored. He said, I earn a hundred by the way, we don't make money. The government makes money, right? Mm-hmm. And they print it. Right. We earn it. So he says, I, I earn $150,000 a month in my insurance business. I have three offices. And he says, I'm ashamed to show you my car because it's eight years old. Uh, I can't afford a new car. And I'm thinking, wait, <laughs> you earn $150,000 a month and you can't afford a new lease or a new purchase of a new car? What's going on? I, so I said, do you know your numbers? Um, do you know, do you know, you know, your, your financials? And he said, no, I never look at those. And I said, no wonder you can't earn, you, you can't uh, get a new car. You don't deserve to get a new car because you won't look at your income. You have to look at your income to gauge how your business is doing. If somebody says, Hey, we, we earned $150,000 this month. Isn't that great? And you get into that old clunker. That's not so great. Something's wrong. And uh, and I said, listen, I'll come into your office. 
for free, sit down with you. We'll look at your financials, whether it's QuickBooks or whatever. I'll do that for you. I'll help you out. And uh, I said, your money is going in places that you don't want it to go. Uh, so you need to be more of a director with that. And, and you know, we have to we have to learn these things because I remember I used to get my, my profit loss statement. I'd throw it in the drawer, you know, and I would hmm. count on my accountant who would give me a quarterly statement. I never read it. I never knew how to read it. He never showed me how to read it. I guess he assumed I did. And I would throw it in my drawer. And it wasn't until we had a downturn in the economy and I had to start cutting back that I didn't know what to cut back on, you know, because I didn't know where my money was going. So that that's an that's a, an important uh, part of success. Otherwise, you're just a hamster on the wheel spinning your, your uh, you know, spinning yourself ragged. Right. So, so with, you know, obviously being in business, um, yeah. you know, you, you may have had some uh, challenges throughout your life, right? Yeah. So, you know, what are, what are some of the biggest challenges, um, that you, that you've had go on in your life? Well, I, I think for me, um, you know, the, the biggest challenge that I ever had was two of them really, uh, learning how to sell because I was an introvert. And, uh, and understanding, you know, that I'm helping people. I didn't, I didn't get that. Somebody actually had to tell me, uh, my first sales job that I told you about. Well, I, I was there for a month and didn't sell anything and they didn't teach me. There was no training. They just gave me a desk and, and said, sell these customers. Okay. And, uh, my friend that I made a friend there, uh, said, you're going to get fired today at 12 o'clock. <laughs> and I, I was going to cry. I mean, that was my dream job. And, uh, I didn't know what to do. And that, that was my, my biggest challenge at that time. And I'll never forget it because it set me on a path. And, uh, and about 11 o'clock, a customer came in with his wife. I showed him some cars in the back. I was a car salesman, learning to be a car salesman. And uh, he liked the car, picked it out. We went in the office, sat down, and I got the invoice. And he said, we'll be back. That, that's great. We'll be back. And I said, no, you won't. I've learned about people that say we'll be back. They never come back. They go down the street and buy a car. I said, look, here, here's the deal. My mom, I didn't know why. You know, this is a Jewish couple, an old Jewish couple. And I didn't know what to do. I was grasping at straws at that point. And I said, my mom told me that if I ever get into trouble, I can always go to a Jewish couple and ask them for help. And I said, so I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to me. When you leave and you don't buy from me in an hour, I'm going to be fired. And this is my dream job. <laughs> and he said, didn't they give you any training? And I said, no, uh, they never told me anything. And I know how to work on cars, but it's different selling them. People don't care about carburetors. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, those schmucks like that. And he grabbed the uh, sales order, turned it around, wrote his name on it, put down the price he would pay for the car, and gave me $100. And I turned it into the manager. He said, go back and get another 150 I went back. And he says, you sold your first car. Done. And he started to get up. I said, wait, what did I do? How did, how did we do this? And he said, look, work for me, not the house. 
get me a good deal. That's all we want. Mm. When we buy a car, we just want a good deal. He said, let us know that you're working for us. I said, wow. Guess what happened? <laughs> Honest to goodness, my next customer, as soon as he walked in and he was my customer, I said, I want to tell you something right now. I work for you. I don't work for this house. I'm going to get you a good deal. <laughs> it hurts still to this day. Mm. I, I remember that like yesterday. Mm. And I became salesman of the month and salesman of the month and salesman of the month by getting people what they really want at the price they wanted. And, uh, mm. and I moved up the ladder very quickly from there. You know, so that was my first uh, challenge, which was huge. And I, my first lesson, now it, we call it adding value to people. Uh, back then it was, you know, work for me, not the house. Get me what I want for the price I want it. That's salesmanship. That's giving people uh, value. And, uh, and that, that was the, you know, that was my, my biggest lesson. Uh, right. That's the second hardest thing because my business took off and now I'm doing business. Uh, and I'm, you know, everything goes back to sales. I remember when I bought the Century 21 franchise, uh, in the, in 1980s and, uh, and I'm doing business already. And they said, we want to give you the Century 21 franchise because we want you in our system. You're already doing business. I, and they, I came in the system and I was number three uh, in the Fort Lauderdale area of Century 21 offices because I was doing business. And uh, and I remember that, you know, it, that it was hard. I was selling customers and doing a lot of business myself. But now it's about recruiting salesmen to work for me. That's another step. Uh, and how do I do that? And I had lunch with the top real estate owner. And I said, I, I don't know how you've got all these real estate agents working for you so fast. Because he, he came into the system after me. And uh, he says, well, you sell houses, don't you? And I said, yeah, I'm a pretty good salesman. And he says, well, all you got to do is sell the agents on why they should work for you. It's the same thing. We're always selling. Wow. I started selling agents, picking and choosing which ones I wanted and, and selling them on why they should work for me. What value would it be for them to work for me? And became number one in, in Brown County, in the county in Century 21. So um, I don't know how I got off on, on that uh, subject, but that was an important uh, part of realizing that, yeah, we're always selling continuing to sell. We're always giving value, as we say nowadays, uh, to people that you're working with. And uh, the, the biggest challenge after that, because my business grew and I knew that now I have to get it up in front of groups of people. And I was invited to speak to the Century 21 uh, region of Century 21 owners and their people uh, because they would have regional meetings. And they invited me to be the president of that region and speak and, and facilitate it. I was scared to death. I mean, that was the hardest thing in the world for me to get in front of people. My, my first time doing it, I was listening 
to the speakers to see what I sounded like. Talk about ego. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, it was about me. It wasn't about them. And I was terrible. It was horrible. My knees were knocking. I've never been so scared in my life to get up in front of, uh, you know, 150, 200 people and speak. Uh, and they're staring at you and most of them weren't smiling. So it's like, whoa. Well, from there, I took a course. I said, this is going to propel me in my business. I took a course at Dale Carnegie uh, and uh, Toastmasters. I signed up with them, uh, speaking and facilitating events at church. Uh, and, and I found that, you know, like anything else, the more you do it, the more you get into it, the better you become. You know, so, but that was... Uh, a, a huge challenge, huge challenge for me was uh, public speaking, huge. Um, but, you know, it, it, if you're not nervous when you're getting up in front of a group of people, then you're not, you're not alive, you're dead because people get nervous, you know, right. in front of groups. So, the, so, so was there a, uh, a lowest point in your life? Oh, yeah. You know, as an older guy, I've had a lot of low points. <laughs> you know, we we do. We we need to expect that and to know. Uh, and and uh, the I guess the lowest uh, point uh, in my life at the time. I mean, things were really going good in the Reagan era uh, and uh, of the economy, and uh, everybody was was doing really well. But then we went into the Gulf War. Uh, I think it was 1989. And it was the first time uh, that my business took a dip because my business was growing, growing, growing <clears throat> since the 80s. And it was the first time that my business turned down and my deals, my business cut 50%. As soon as the news hit, that next month I had 50% less business. It was like America just stopped to see what's going to happen. And I said, wow. Uh, you know, we kept working and trying, and the next month it cut 50% of that 50%. And that was the first downturn that I've ever experienced. I didn't know what to do. I was forced to do things and, uh, and, and cut back and, uh, you know, and sell off. My landlord uh, was good enough to understand business was cutting back for him as well. Uh, and uh, he let me take a smaller space and things like that. Uh, but uh, but I filed for bankruptcy um, maybe three years later um, because of the, the the that the drastic downturn that we had in the economy. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to pick it up, pick it up. Uh, but uh, we did a chapter. Mm, I guess it was eleven or thirteen. Uh, where you can pay it out and continue to do business. You didn't have to give up everything. And uh, the judge let me keep my business, uh, which means that now I've got a real estate company with me as the receptionist, secretary, you know, <laughs> manager, uh, at, at, because people fly out of uh, real estate business when times get tough. Um, and I've realized that and I've learned a lot. So guess what the best times for a real estate agent or real estate broker is that I've learned? When things take a dip, the uh, the easy deals go and the professionals stay. 
because mm-hmm. when things are going really good, it's so easy to get a real estate license. Everybody's getting one. It's the second license people get when they come into the state. The first mm-hmm. is their driver's license, <laughs> and they get a real estate license. So uh, it kind of weeds out, uh, you know, the uh, the people who get their customers from their friends and their family, and you know, and uh, and the professionals are able to do a good business. So that that was uh, that was a hard lesson for me to learn. We're coming into a downturn right now. People need to see that, need to understand it, need to know about the, this downturn. I said months ago, uh, earlier in the year, that China is going to have is going to create the first downturn in this economy coming up because of, of what they're doing and how they're they're um, they're inflating their economy. Uh, with smoke and mirrors, you know, when, when I saw that they're building cities and towns uh, and nobody's living in them with skyscrapers and what, well, that can only last, you know, so so long. And lo and behold, the uh, the economy did turn down, has turned down. They devalued their money, and now we're feeling the effect of it, and uh, the stock is dropping. So a lot of things are happening now, and uh, people need to know, hey, this, this is – the way things happen in life, you know, the economy expands, the economy takes a breath uh, and decreases. And we need to have a handle on our business to understand what are we going to do when that happens? What can we cut? How can we, um, you know, slim down uh, our business in that that need? Let's let's stay lean and uh, and go that way. All right. Yeah. That's good. So, so what is one thing that you'd want to share with the audience that that they could take from this to to uh, you know get all in in their life and you know take action? Well, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think that the most important uh, thing to learn from this talk that we had is for me is selling. It always comes back to selling, no matter what I want to do uh, with my career at this point, where I want to go. Um, it's about it's about selling because you can you can uh, do business and create a business. I see a lot of people doing multi-level marketing. Uh, that's a hard business. It's a tough business. I was successful as a multi-level marketer. Um, I did Shackley and I had to make a decision: Am I going to do multi multi-level marketing or am I going to do real estate? Because it was. Coming up, my, my multi-level marketing business was coming up to the point where I was earning as much income as I was in real estate. I decided to shut that down and stick with real estate. Um, but I feel sorry for a lot of people that get into that aspect of business and really don't don't know how to sell. It all goes back to you know how to give a presentation, uh, how to do a one-on-one conversation with someone and get them to to buy what they really want to buy, what's good for them, whether it's cosmetics, whether it's, you know, uh, vitamins, you, you need to know how to sell and ask for the sale and close. Uh, so if there's one thing that I would say to the audience is take some salesmanship courses uh, and, and learn that. I don't know too many people that are really teaching that, you know, salesmanship courses, but I guarantee you, uh, you'll get a girlfriend <laughs> if you become a salesman because you'll start thinking about what she wants 
not what you want, uh, or you'll get a boyfriend uh, that way, and it, all the way through to, you know, uh, a business opportunities uh, just falls, falls back on salesmen. And I think Zig Ziglar said, if you get enough people, if you, you help enough people to get what they want, you'll wind up getting what you want. And, that, and that's what I learned and have carried in my 40 years of business. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so how would you define your purpose or calling? Well, <laughs> my purpose or calling, um, you know, I pray with people at the altar at Christ Fellowship. I'm really privileged to be able to do that. Uh, and, and I hear a lot of people uh, ask for prayers for, and I'm an older guy, so I, I'm, I can give them a, a lot of great uh, insight. But I feel like my purpose of calling all these years has not been about money, even though I've made a lot of money. Uh, it's been about helping people. Uh, my, my purpose and my calling is to give somebody some really good advice and hope that they take it. Uh, and if they do, to really applaud them and, and uh, feel great that they're, that they're doing good things for themselves and their family. And that, that's where, where I'm at. I mean, I sold a church building in Davie for a million one, $33,000 commission. That afternoon, I sold a condo for $35,000 uh, at 3%. That's like nine hundred or thousand dollars. And after I sold that condo in the afternoon, I sat there uh, in the in the parking lot, and I didn't get out of my car because I amazed myself. It was hmm. it was weird. I said, "Wow, I'm as excited about this little thirty three thousand dollar condo as I am about selling that church building." So it's not about the money; it's about helping this widow in Canada come down to Florida and to have a great remaining of her life in Florida because that's what she wants. She didn't even see the, the unit that she bought. She trusted me and was helping the church sell the building that they outgrew. And I said, I said, that's who I am. That defined me that moment. And I saw that the money that I look at is a gauge for how well I'm doing. But it's but it's the people uh, and and uh, feeding into people and helping them to grow is what I just love. I love to do be a part of. Great, great stuff. I, I really appreciate as we wind down here. I really appreciate you taking time to do this and share your story with the world. Thank you. And um, and uh, so as we close, you know, how do people find out more about you if someone wants to connect with you? Well, my uh, my real estate website is harveycosberg.com. Um, and uh, it's easy to connect with me uh, that way. I haven't put a, uh, um, a, a coaching or speaking website together, although I will be doing that, but I'd be happy to talk to anybody about their business. Um, I'll come into their business and give them a couple of hours to uh, help them with their business, look at their books if they want, spend some time in their business and give them some advice. Uh, or even uh, to pray with people. You know, I had a woman call me uh, and and she said, I've already got my house up for sale and got a contract on it. We're getting, we're going through the closing process, but I heard that you're a realtor who prays with people. 
<laughs> and she said, would you pray for me for this closing? We really need it. And I said, absolutely, I would. And because uh, that was my advertisements on Way FM, things mm-hmm. like that, you know. So, yeah, you know, you can reach me by HarveyCosberg.com. I'll pray with you if you have a need uh, for that. And uh, if you don't, I'll pray with you anyway. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's how they can reach me. Great. All right. Appreciate you taking the time today, Harvey, and, uh, you know, just awesome sharing your story with the world. Thanks again. Thanks, Dan. God bless you. For more information on the links and resources recommended in this show, please visit allinpodcast.com.